Section 26 of Woman in Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephanie Lee. Woman in Science by John Augustine Zahm. Chapter 12, Part 2. Not the least of the contributing factors to woman's intellectual growth, and especially to her future achievements in science, are the recent adjustments for women in social and economic conditions brought about chiefly by far-reaching changes in the industrial world. Even so late as the last half of the nineteenth century the energies of women, when they were not engaged in the kitchen or the nursery, were spent on the domestic loom, spinning wheel, and the knitting needle. All the various processes, from carding the wool to making it into clothing for all the members of the family, were in the hands of the housewife. Foods and cereals, which do away with so much of the drudgery of the kitchen, were unknown. Electricity, which has proved to be such a remarkable aid in every modern home, was little more than a mysterious force that was utilized in the electric telegraph. Most of the domestic labor-saving machines were still in their infancy, and possessed by but few people. Large fortunes were confined to only a favored few in our great metropolises. The mass of the people was preoccupied with the struggle for existence. But science, the spirit of invention, and the advent of the age of machinery have completely changed the conditions of life which obtained but a generation ago. They have not only opened up for women countless occupations that were undreamed of in their mother's time, but have also given to tens of thousands of them the necessary means and leisure to indulge their tastes for study and research, and enabled an ever-increasing number of them to realize their aspirations for achieving distinction in the divers departments of scientific research. As an instance of this marked change in the intellectual activity of women, we need only consider what an important part they now take in our present prodigious literary output, as compared with their share in similar work but a few decades ago. As authors, as writers and readers in the editorial rooms of our leading periodicals, as contributors to learned journals, and reviews dealing with every branch of science, even the most obtruse, they now occupy a conspicuous place and are doing work that is quite as creditable as that of men and it is no longer necessary, in deference to public sentiment, for them to write under a pseudonym, for it is no longer considered unfeminine, as it was in the time of the Bronte sisters, for women to acknowledge themselves the authors of books or of articles in magazines. If they elect to devote their lives to literary or scientific work, they will not be deterred from so doing by what Mrs. Grundy may say, or by the fear that some feeble imitator of Boliere may dub them as precious ridicule. The value of their productions, like those of men, is gauged solely by merit, and not by any narrow-minded considerations of the author's sex. So also will it be in all other occupations where women choose to gain their livelihood by devoting themselves to scientific pursuits, rather than to manual labor or to secretarial work in the counting-room. There are positions open for them in colleges, universities, and the government service where, as professors or experts in every branch of science, their talents have full liberty of action, and where they have the same opportunity of achieving distinction in their chosen life-work as have their male colleagues. In Germany there are today a million more women than men. It is the same in England. In France the number of women who are widows or unmarried or divorcées or mothers with full-grown children, aggregates no less than four and a half million. A similar condition obtains in other parts of Europe. A large percentage of this number is without home ties, and, as the old fields of labor are no longer open to women, they are forced to find new ones. 
they naturally demand the privilege of exercising their talents in occupations which are more congenial to them many have no inclination for any of the avocations in the industrial or commercial world but have a very decided inclination as well as talent for scientific pursuits hence the ever-increasing number of women who seek employment in chemical and biological laboratories in museums and astronomical observatories as well as aspire to professorships of science in schools and colleges from this large number of votaries of science some are sure to achieve distinction in their calling and to contribute materially to the advancement of knowledge in the course of time the number of those like madame curie madame coudreau mary kingsley sonia kovalevsky eleanor ormerod caroline herschel zelia nuttall harriet boyd hawes donna ercilia borvatio sophia Pereslawewa, to name only a few who will become prominent as chemists explorers naturalists mathematicians entomologists astronomers archaeologists biologists will be vastly increased for women will find a greater stimulus for such work and more numerous demands for their service in the constantly expanding sphere of scientific research many women will doubtless become specialists in some specific branch of science particularly if they have a genuine love for it or be fired by an ambition to achieve fame as discoverers but it is not probable that they will ever specialize to the same extent as men do for men scientific work has to a large extent become a metier and success as an industry depends on a division of labor hence it is that their field of investigation is daily becoming more and more circumscribed this is observable in all the sciences but especially in such all-embracing sciences as chemistry biology and archaeology a man now does well if he master a single branch of any of these sciences and is hailed as exceptionally fortunate if he succeed in making some notable discovery in his limited field of research so great indeed has been the activity of scientific men in every department of science in the last half century and so thoroughly have they explored the most hidden recesses of nature that it at times seems as if there were but little left to discover a prominent scientist recently well expressed the difficulty of making any striking additions to our knowledge of nature by asserting that all great discoveries would hereafter be made in the sixth place of decimals this statement is well illustrated by the delicate instruments that were required to isolate such rare elements as radium polonium, helium and neon which occur only in infinitesimal quantities while men of science will be forced to continue as specialists as long as the love of fame to consider no other motives of research continues to be a potent influence in their investigations it is probable that women will have less love for the long and tedious processes involved in the more difficult kinds of specialization they will it seems likely be more inclined to acquire general knowledge of the whole circle of the sciences a knowledge that will enable them to take a comprehensive survey of nature and it will be fortunate for themselves as well as for the men who must perforce remain specialists if they elect to do so for nothing gives falser views of nature as a whole nothing more unfits the mind for a proper apprehension of higher and more important truths nothing more incapacitates one for the enjoyment of the masterpieces of literature or the sweeter amenities of life than the narrow occupation of a specialist who sees nothing in the universe but electrons microbes and protozoa but just at the critical moment when men of science would rather discover a process than a law when they are so preoccupied with the infinitely little that they lose sight of the cosmos as a whole when their attention is so riveted on particular phenomena that they will no longer have aptitude for rising from effects to causes 
when they cease to have any interest in general ideas and stray away from the guidance of the true philosophic spirit when like plato's cavemen they have so long groped in darkness that their powers of vision are impaired then it is that woman the herald of a brighter race comes to the rescue and holds up to their astonished gaze the picture of an ideal world whose existence they had almost forgotten for women as a rule love science for its own sake and unlike the specialists in question they are in its pursuit rarely actuated by any selfish or mercenary interests or by the hope of financial reward precise and never-ending observations with a microscope and spectroscope which at best give them but a superficial knowledge of certain details of science while it leaves them in ignorance of the greater and better part of it do not appeal to them they prefer general ideas to particular facts and love to roam over the whole realm of science rather than confine themselves to one of its isolated corners women writes m etienne lamy the distinguished french academician group themselves at the centre of human knowledge whereas men disperse themselves towards its outer boundaries while men are always pushing analysis to its utmost limits women are seeking a synthesis while men are becoming more technical women are becoming more intellectual they are better placed to observe the correlations of the different sciences and to subordinate them to the common and unique source of truth from which they all descend we seem indeed to be approaching a time when women will become the conservers of general ideas in the preceding chapter reference was made to the fact that women are naturally inclined to adopt the deductive method in their search for truth when men would employ only the inductive method this disposition of theirs to arrive at conclusions by a kind of intuition coupled with their more pronounced idealism is sure to react favorably on men and prevent them from becoming so involved in mere facts and phenomena as to cause them to forget that it is as important to reason well as to observe well that the fundamental principles of a true philosophy are quite as necessary for the eminent man of science as they are to the trustworthy historian or commanding statesman from what has been said it is clear that man's ideal the woman of the future will be quite different from what it was but a little more than a century ago when dr johnson could say that any acquaintance with books among women was distinguished only to be censured it will be quite different from the ideal woman as portrayed by poets and novelists for centuries past for among the thousands of women painted by our leading writers of fiction poets and dramatists there are few if any outside of those sketched by tennyson in the princess who are distinguished for their learning or for their love in intellectual pursuits even portia shakespeare's most learned woman was according to her own confession but an unlessened girl unschooled unpracticed and the heroines of the novelist far from being women who had a thirst for knowledge or were eager to sound the abyss of science and the secrets of the mind were those only whose chief attractions were physical graces and charms affectionate natures brilliant wit together with sweet laughs for bird notes and blue eyes for a heaven now however that women after ages of struggle are beginning to experience a sense of intellectual freedom before unknown and to exult in the fact that knowledge is now no more a fountain sealed now that they are for the first time beginning in every civilized nation to realize their age-long aspirations for unimpeded opportunity in all the activities of the intellect now that they are no longer dismissed in shame to live no wiser than their mothers household stuff live chattels laughing-stocks of time we may expect soon to see a marked change in the character of the ideal woman 
as depicted in literature and as desired by the intelligent portion of mankind but woman's liberation from intellectual bondage and her freedom to devote herself to scientific pursuits mean for the future of humanity is difficult at present to adequately forecast that it will contribute immensely to the betterment of social conditions and to the elevation of the masses of humanity there can be no doubt setting free the imprisoned energies of one half of our race means more than doubling mankind's capacity for advancement for the failure to utilize woman's vast energies pining for an outlet acted as a drag on man's own potentialities and thus retarded to an untold extent the world's advancement in times past as has aptly been said an enormous part of the brain power of mankind has been spent or wasted in smiting the philistines hip and thigh an enormous part of the brain power of womankind has been spent in conjoling samson it will mean that the women of the future will be more suitable companions for the rapidly increasing number of highly educated men of science that having their intellects develop peri passu with those of men they will be able to sympathize with the noblest aims of their husbands and assist them in their most important undertakings as did the wives of huber lavoisier pasteur huxley louis agassiz and others scarcely less renowned in the annals of science it will mean that they will not only share in the joys and the sorrows of their life companions but that they will also have a part in their thoughts their studies their labors their achievements for one should bear in mind that the first essential to a perfect union of hearts is a perfect harmony of minds where neither husband nor wife is educated the virtues may suffice for companionship but where the man is educated and the woman is ignorant there are sooner or later estrangements and the wife becomes little better than an old japanese conception of her a cook without pay or a pasha's toy for an idle hour Crisald in moliere's Echo des femmes declares qu'il est assez ennuyeux que je crois de voir toute sa vie une bête avec soi a briefer and truer statement of the evils of unequal intellectual mating was never penned men of intelligence are no longer like rousseau satisfied with an ignorant domestic for a wife and still less are they disposed with schopenhauer to regard women as an incurable philistine and as a mere intermediary between a child and a man they have learned by sad experience that it is contrary both to justice and public policy to impose artificial restrictions on the acquisition of knowledge by women or to close to the vigorous and capable representatives of their sex careers which are open to the weakest and most incompetent men history has taught them that the fall of greece and rome was owing to the failure of these nations to make due provision for the mental development of women and women know that it was because of the inability of the wives of the athenians to enter into the thoughts of their highly educated husbands and to sympathize with their aims and appreciate their achievements that caused the men to leave them in their solitude and seek in the companionship of the heterae the intellectual atmosphere which was wanting in their own homes they know too that the lack of knowledge in the wife and the absence of virtue in the heterae which brought such disasters on the most learned and most cultured of nations are still evils to be guarded against and that one of the means over and above moral rule and revealed truth of safeguarding their own interests and preserving the sanctity of the home is to make themselves by knowledge and culture the intellectual equals of their consorts they realize also that if they are to attain the highest measure of success as wives and mothers a broad and thorough education a knowledge of science as well as familiarity with art and literature and the teachings of religion is essential to them for their children's sake it is said that the hands that rock the cradle rules the world but how much truer is it that the domestic earth is the first of schools and the best of lecture rooms 
for here the heart will cooperate with the mind the affections with the reasoning power it is only when the mothers of this the woman's century shall dispute with men the primacy of erudition when they shall prove their mastery of those newer sciences by which our age sets such great store when they shall possess seraphic intellect and force to seize and throw the doubts of man that their grown-up sons will have the same confidence in their intelligence as they now have in their hearts then only will mothers be properly equipped for developing the character of their children for inspiring them with the love of the truth the beautiful and the good for stimulating their talents and aiding them to attain all the sublimities of knowledge for assisting them in doubt and despondency and firing them with an ambition to strive for supreme excellence and all that makes for the nobility of manhood and the glory of womanhood for making them as beatrice made dante after he was renewed and purified in the waters of unoy fit to mount up to the stars puro e disposto a salere alle stile the romantic idea of treating woman as a clinging vine and thus eliminating half the energies of humanity is rapidly disappearing and giving place to the idea that the strong are for the strong the intellectually strong that the evolution of the race will be complete only when men and women shall be associated in perfect unity of purpose and shall in fullest sympathy collaborate for the attainment of the highest and the best then indeed will man's helpmate become to him and to his children more rich than the pearls of ind or gold of ophir and in her sex more wonderful and rare then will men and women for the first time fully supplement each other in their aspirations and endeavors and realize somewhat of that oneness of heart and mind which was so beautifully adumbrated in plato's androgen then will the world witness the return of another golden age the golden age of science the golden age of cultured noble perfect womanhood then to all who really think and love will be manifest the clearness and power of vision of england's great poet laureate when in matchless numbers he sings the woman's cause is man's they rise or sink together dwarfed or godlike bond or free for woman is not undeveloped man but diverse could we make her as the man sweet love were slain his dearest bond is this not like to like but like indifference yet in the long years liker must they grow the man be more of woman she of man he gain in sweetness and in moral height nor lose the rustling thews that throw the world she mental breadth nor fail in childward care nor lose the childlike in the larger mind till at the last she set herself to man like perfect music unto noble words and as these twain upon the skirts of time sit side by side full summed in all their powers dispensing harvest sowing the to be self-reverent each and reverencing each distinct in individualities but like each other even as those who love then comes the statelier eden back to men then reign the world's great bridles chaste and calm then springs the crowning race of humankind may these things be end of woman in science by john augustine zom